Amen. I wanted to, uh, let's talk a little bit about Advent here, everyone. Um, as I said, Advent actually does not begin until next Sunday, but we won't be together next Sunday because we will be intentionally stepping in to rest and in uh, intentionally recognizing that God is at work for us and we can stop striving. So today, I uh, just wanted to start Advent, introduce Advent. Advent literally means God's arrival, his coming to us. And this begins the church, uh, as far as the church calendar goes, the new year begins next Sunday. Um, and so we order time differently under the reign and rule of Jesus we mark time by God's arrival in time and space. And so this is a helpful season to kind of, I think, disorient ourselves and dislodge ourselves from the flow of time and the flow of the, the kind of the cultural calendar and getting swept up in all the, the, the fear, the anxiety, the antagonisms, um, being swept into Christmas, being swept into the new year. Um, when we kind of follow the church calendar a little bit and allow the wisdom of the church to guide us, it, it kind of interrupts uh, being carried away by this cultural moment. And we recognize that, yeah, we keep time differently under the Lordship of Jesus. We are marked by a different measure of time and the arrival of God's love in our life. And so today we're celebrating the first day of Advent and uh, next week as you rest and uh, this coming week, I want us to just be resting in the knowledge of God's arrival, that God's inevitable love has arrived in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so that is what we rest in. And that's what we remember. And that's what we carve out space to uh, just step into intentionally with everything that we have. We remember God's arrival in time and space and that he is with us. And so the first Sunday of Advent is all about the second coming. It's not actually looking backwards to the first coming of Jesus. But right from the beginning, uh, the wisdom of the church has us look forward to God's second arrival into our world and into our mess to make all wrong things right. And so Thomas beautifully read, um, and we heard a little bit of a guest appearance by Amen, which I'm super excited about. I love that. Um, but Mark 13, right? And verse 26, he read the whole thing, but I just want to highlight at that time, remember that Kairos? that changing of the seasons, that inbreaking of God, at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Church, just want to declare a simple, simple truth that is revolutionary. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. That is really good news for us 
in this moment. As we look back at history and all of the pain and suffering that is accumulating like a giant snowball and running downhill and seeming to like chase us down, right? All the, the, the war and the violence and the division um, and the trauma around the world and in our nation is just like building momentum, it feels like, and we can't outrun it. It's chasing us down. We're just seeing the destruction and the devastation of a world unhinged. It's good news to remember and to proclaim that Jesus is coming back, right? That God's love is inevitable. I want you to hear that. It's God's love that is inevitable. Jesus is returning. So in a world in which uh, pandemic and plague seems inevitable, right? It's just running out of control. In a world in which poverty seems inevitable, in a world in which polarization and political confusion seems inevitable, division, racism, discord, these all seem inevitable in this world, we proclaim today that God's love is what's inevitable. God's love is arriving and will finally arrive to make all wrong things right and to undo all of the pain, the suffering, the division that has occurred. Um, we, uh, I don't, I'm sure you've watched this movie. If you haven't, there's a big spoiler alerts coming here, but um, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, right? We have one of the like most intense villains in uh, all like stories here, uh, Thanos, right? And do you remember what Thanos says? Here it is, I'll give you a hint, it's right here. Thanos says, I am inevitable. You remember this? And man, the movie, the first movie, the Infinity War, really builds up uh, this truth to the point where we believe it. Yeah, Thanos is inevitable. He just gets more and more powerful. He accrues all of these, I forgot what they're called, these stones that he fits in his glove, right? And with a snap of his fingers, he can make the world do whatever he wants. He can reorder the solar system. He can just eliminate anyone or anything he wants. And it just becomes increasingly clear that nothing can stop him. And he says, I am inevitable to the point where at the end of the infinity war, I remember watching this with Joanna. We're not like big Marvel people. We had no idea about, we hadn't watched many of the other movies. We're watching this movie and it's just so intense. And this guy is so bad and so powerful. He like, he can't be stopped. And then it ends with like half the population of the world, like evaporating into ash and the superheroes. And it just ends. And you're like, what kind of movie superhero movie is this? Everyone loses. The bad guy wins. He feels, he feels inevitable. I kind of feel like this taps into our cultural moment here. There's been seasons in history where it feels like Satan, sin, and systems of death feel inevitable. They're just mounting. Like, a, like I said, like a snowball, like a tidal wave, like a tsunami. 
It's just building momentum and crushing everything in its path and you can't outrun it and we're being overrun by it. I feel this kind of hopeless feeling sometimes as, as this pandemic sweeps across the globe. Um, and in the US, over 250,000 people died. Um, today, uh, um, we wanna pray for Blanca. Well, Blanca is actually in the hospital um, at UNMH because she has COVID-19 pneumonia and she's in a high risk category. Um, more and more people, right? I think all of us probably know by now someone who has has contracted the virus. And uh, there's just been a lot of um, anxiety building around of this. This is on top, and I don't need to rehearse all of this, right? But the political upheaval that's continuing to go, there doesn't seem to be any resolution. And uh, the division that is just becoming more and more apparent in our, in our world, uh, man, it just feels inevitable uh, that we are not going to find a solution, that we are not going to come together as a nation, that we're not going to um, work for the most vulnerable in our world, and that violence and division and enemy-making and antagonism seems to be the way. So into this mess, into the seeming inevitability of Satan's sin and death marching on, I want to proclaim this Advent season. I want to interrupt this feeling and this thought and this anxiety of inevitability that what is inevitable is the love of God revealed in Jesus and arriving in Christ. What is inevitable is the second coming of Jesus and his love undoing all that is wrong. His love is going to reverse the curse of sin and death. His love is going to make all wrong things right. His love is entering into time and space and into our mess and into the seeming inevitability of evil and death marching on. And Jesus is reversing it and will finally and completely reverse this death. Let's look at this passage real quick. Just a couple anchors here in our text. Speaking of the second coming, the arrival of Jesus into our world and God's inevitable love overcoming death. First, verses 24 and 25, it says, but in those days after that suffering, Jesus has just unpacked. Basically, it sounds like just a film roll of what we've been experiencing in our world today. And as we look throughout history, what we have seen, wars, rumors of wars, plague, famine, division, hatred, oppression, racism, all of these things he unpacks and says, you're going to see these things, you're going to experience these things. But he says that in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Now let's stop there. That doesn't sound like good news, right? That's, that's apocalyptic language. That's, that's language that says everything's going to be shaken up. The very sun and moon will cease to shine. The powers in heaven will be shaken. This apocalyptic language is not to be taken literally in the sense that the, the sun and the moon actually will lose its, their light and the stars will fall. This is 
speaking. Apocalyptic language is really meant to reveal. It's a revelation. It's to peel back the layers and show you what is actually happening, the reality of, the, of what is happening. And what this is saying, this, the, speaking of the heavenly powers and the sun, these are speaking of that the, the powers and principalities, Satan, sin, and the systems under their power, the systems of death, will be shaken and exposed to be bankrupt, all right? He's saying after this suffering, everything's going to be shaken up. There's going to be havoc on the earth, and they're exposed. These, these, this havoc, this death, this rampant destruction, this division is actually exposing the vapidness and the bankruptcy of the powers and principalities that lay claim on the world. All right. So first thing is that is exposed here that Jesus is exposing is the bankruptcy of the powers and principalities as the veil is torn open. And, and then something else is exposed and revealed as the veil is torn back. Verse 26, then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out his angels, and he will gather his elect, he will gather his people from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the ends of heaven. So not only are the powers and principalities, the systems of death, Satan, sin, and death, revealed and exposed as bankrupt, the true savior, right? The true um, ruler, the true king is revealed, and he comes on the clouds. It's as if the, the heavens are peeled back and the very earth is shaking. And out of this shaking comes our only hope. The inevitable love revealed Jesus with great power and glory. And he is revealed as our savior. He is the inevitable one. All right. Jesus is, in, is the inevitable one. His love is the inevitable one. One And what he does with his love, look at this, he gathers, verse 26, he gathers all of his people that have been scattered. All of us, right? This includes us, all of us and all of our loved ones and all of the people that we care about that have been scattered by persecution, have been scattered by division, have been scattered by addiction, have been scattered by oppression and racism and, and injustice, and have been separated by death and sin, Jesus, on his arrival, his inevitable love, gathers from the four ends of the earth, from the four winds, all of those scattered. And we experience a reunion of restoration, a reunion of healing, where all the wrongs that have been done, done will be undone. All the, the evil that has been done will be unwound and restored to the way things ought to be. This is good news, right? Jesus is coming back. God's love is inevitable, no matter what the world may look like. I am reminded of the second Avengers, the second last Avengers movie. Platts, you'll have to forgive me. I know you're the experts on these movies. I'm, I'm messing them up. But the second one, Endgame. See, the Infinity War, the superheroes and half the world's population uh, evaporating into ash was not the end of the story. Thanos seemed inevitable, but there was Iron Man. 
but there were some superheroes left. And, and we see the second movie, right? There are, they're disillusioned, they're beat up, they're, they're, they're divided, they're angry with one another, but, but they get it together and they actually come up with a plan that will undo all that Thanos has done, right? And so spoiler alert again, but they actually undo the seeming inevitability of Thanos' reign of terror, right? Even what seems irreversible, the effects of, of all of his, his evil plan and his destruction on the earth, everyone being blown away into ash, half the population, is actually reversed to where everyone comes back. Everything that he destroyed is made whole again. And there is a reunion uh, uh, and as they, and they are restored, right? All the wrong things that had spun out of control had been unwound, unraveled, and come back together into wholeness. This is what Jesus will do, all right? This is what Jesus will do. Uh, he'll do it a lot better than the Avengers because he won't use violence. He will use inevitable love. He will win the world and reverse the curse of sin and death and bring healing, not through force and coercion, but through unbelievable love. The judgment of his love and his mercy that has already been won on the cross, proven at the resurrection, and he re promises to return, to reverse the seeming inevitability of evil. His love is inevitable. So let me, so let's just play this out a little bit as we finish here. The hundreds of thousands of Americans that murdered each other during the Civil War, all right? Let's just not, we don't have to go too far back in history. Those lives lost and the generational trauma that soaked into our soil and into our souls as a result of that, that will be undone on Jesus' arrival. That will be undone and there will be restoration. The wrongs will be made right and healing will be given. The generations, the millions of African-Americans that were enslaved, tortured, killed, and the, the way the, the people that continue to feel and to experience injustice, oppression, and the trauma that we've experienced as a country and the corruption that continues, all of that on the arrival of Jesus, his inevitable love will be undone. All that has been done in the name of evil, will be undone, and there will be healing and restoration. The second coming is good news. I think of the children separated at the border, thousands of children, maybe never going to ever find their parents, but they will when Jesus returns, whenever that is. All that evil, that separation will be undone, and there will be restoration, there will be reunion, and there will be healing. All those who have died of coronavirus, all of those families separated by death, all kinds of death, all kinds of disease, all the lives ravaged by addiction, all of this is going to be undone by the arrival of God's inevitable love in Jesus when he comes again. This is good news. This is what we believe. This is our hope. I don't think we, at least in our community, talk about this enough. The hope of the second coming. He has done it. He is doing it. And he will 
reverse the curse of sin and death. So let's just jump. I'm almost done here. Verse 32, um, uh, Jesus says, verse 28 through 31, he's saying, look, there's going to be signs of the times. You got to be alert. You got to look, look at this stuff. And verse 32, he gives us this, this call three times. He says, keep alert, be on guard, keep watch, keep watch, stay awake. Don't be lulled to sleep by the seeming inevitability of evil and of hatred. Do you, any of you feel sleepy? Do any of you feel discouraged? Do any of you feel overwhelmed by the seeming inevitability of all the stuff that is happening? Don't be lulled to sleep. Believe. Keep watch. Stay awake. Keep alert. Christ is on the move and his arrival is inevitable. He is coming. And so today, uh, just to end with this, I was, I was, uh, I just got in the text that Blanca is in the hospital and I was looking out my uh, bedroom window out onto our neighborhood and I was praying for Blanca. And I, I, I saw uh, this couple that, whose little baby Joanna and I and, and the kids had, had taken in for a little bit. Many of you know, know this little guy and this family. And I saw this couple and they're together, but they're still without their son and, and they don't have their son. They won't have their son. And I just remember the, the cries of pain, the, the, the tears, the gut-wrenching agony, right? That they, they cried as, um, as their little boy was, was removed from their home. And, and this, is, this is due to the brokenness of the world, to the seeming inevitability of addiction. And, and I just heard of the coronavirus um, infecting one of the sweetest women known to, to Albuquerque, right? To, that I know, Blanca. So I'm just praying and I'm just kind of feeling overwhelmed of this, the inevitability of sin and the systems that we live under. And I'm just reminded about this passage, right? Keep awake, stay awake, Jesse. Keep alert, look. Don't be lulled to sleep by the seeming inevitability of the darkness, of death, of Satan's sin and the systems of death. That is not what is inevitable. My love is inevitable. My arrival into human, humankind's and, and into time and history and space is inevitable. And I am making and will make all wrong things right. So let me just call us as a church to lean into this good news that Jesus is coming. And, and every time that you feel overwhelmed and every time you're tempted to believe that sin and Satan and death and systems of death are the inevitable forces, remember Jesus' call and invitation to stay awake, to resist, and to trust the inevitability of his love and his return. Every time we experience, I think, the, the pangs of death, every time we ache with all creation and we groan, it's an invitation to look to the promised hope that God 
in Jesus Christ is unraveling and undoing all the wrong. And he is making all wrong things right, past, present, and future. So church, God's love is inevitable. Jesus is coming again. And he offers us this healing even now. He offers us this hope even now. So as we uh, sit with this and we think about uh, even some of the things we wrote down, uh, would you sing the song as Dee leads us, uh, reminding us of the healing that Jesus is bringing and ultimately will bring finally. Mm -hmm.